Ever wonder where to begin when it comes to writing your resume? Are you questioning how to stand out and truly shine? Is there a type of resume more favorable in the medical device arena? Welcome to this second episode on the art of resume building in our three-part series on breaking into the medical device industry. Whether you're crafting your first ever resume or aiming to improve your current one, we've got you covered. We're about to answer some essential questions when it comes to creating your best resume ever. Welcome to the Girls of Grit podcast, hosted by Annalisa Rhodes and Cynthia Facara, two professional women bringing you over 40 years combined experience as top performers, top earners, and leaders in the male-dominated medical device industry. Grounded in grit, our mission is to be ambassadors for professional women in the medical device sales industry, helping them tap into their potential, magnify their mindset, and escalate their careers by providing real-world, everyday scenarios, struggles, and solutions. Welcome to the Girls of Grit podcast. It's time to dig in. Cindy. Good morning to all of our listeners. I hope everyone is doing well out there today. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to our second episode in the series of three. Yes. Yay. We're so excited. So on that, this is our second of three episodes we are dedicating to breaking into the industry. And in this second episode, we're talking about everything resume building. Matt Kaufman, who we have been interviewing throughout this process, is a fantastic um, recruiter in the medical device industry. Matt is a partner and vice president at a med tech search firm called the Mullings Group. It is a huge group where 60% of his hiring executives are women, which is fantastic. So Matt brings us here over 20 years in the business, and he's very smart and is able to really break it down for you to understand exactly what all needs to go into your resume and how to stand out and really win those jobs that you're trying to win. So, you know, I think it's really important that you grab a pen and paper because he's going to bring out a lot of stuff that really might take some good notes. Very excited to have Matt jump in, but I want to clarify one thing before we get started. The purpose of this is talking about a resume, which is a simple formal document providing an overview of your professional qualifications, including your relevant work experience, skills, education, and your notable accomplishments. And this pretty much is your ticket in to say, hey, am I qualified for this job that I'm interviewing for? There is a term out there called CV, which stands for curriculum vitae. Some people may ask, what is the difference between a resume and a CV? I just explained resume. And just to further explain resume, it's usually one to two pages shorter. Curriculum vitae or CV, you hear more outside of the US, but it's typically used for academics and legal, medical, and scientific roles. And it can have no length restrictions. It can be very long, includes lots of details. For instance, if you're a physician and you have published many articles, you could have 50 plus page long CV 
And I think that I just wanted to point that out since we are talking medical device, so this should come up. We have no confusion. So I'm very excited to dive right into our interview with Matt Kaufman. So Matt, I want to kind of switch gears here a little bit and really talk about something that um, I think, uh, I know Cindy and I want to hear from you personally, um, is resume building and writing that perfect resume to catch the eye of that company that you want to work for or catch the eye of the recruiter that you want to really push your resume forward and get you that perfect job that you're going for. So are there any like special, you know, is there a special format? Is there something that a company looks for off the front end? Is it the quote in the beginning? I'm curious. What is it? Yeah, well, look, if you ask five recruiters, you'll get six answers on this. I mean, that's just the nature of of the way we are. We're all very specific on what we like to see, but there are some commonalities. So I'll, I'll try to give you what I'm referring, but I also will take into account that, hey, there's thousands of people who do this, hiring managers and recruiters alike. So I'll try to give some of the traditional answers as well. Here's the first thing, though. Be careful about people who tell you they're a doctor of resume writing or they're, they're a professional resume writer. Sometimes those folks are, are married to their style and they can't do it any other way. They just do like a template after template after template. And make sure you see what they're going to do with your resume before you pay. Because this is what happens. They take your couple hundred dollars and they give you this, whatever the opposite of a work of art is. And now you're kind of stuck with it and they've taken your money. I remember it happened to me when I was younger. I didn't really have $200 to just give away. And I did. And it was, it was a frustrating situation because I had to have it redone. So be careful about people who are telling you that this is what they do for a living. I didn't even know that was out there. Uh, so there are still people that do that. It's gotten better <laughs> that there aren't as many, but there are people who do that and they prey on people who need a job who are wow. young. And it, it's just, it's disappointing. So how would someone know what is a legit resume helper versus someone not? Well, it's like most things in life. You find somebody you trust that's used them. And I don't know if there's a Yelp of any kind for this kind of thing, but <laughs> You know, LinkedIn's a great place to start for someone who does this for a living and see if you're connected to somebody who has used this person as a service. Don't use them on your own and be first unless you see all their work ahead of time because it's disappointing. It's not even the money as much, although that's frustrating. It's time wasted. It's, it's that it doesn't look the way you want it to look. It looks the way they want it to look. Well, they're not the one getting the job. You are. Right. And does that stand out to you? Do you know right away? Are you like, oh, so-and-so wrote this resume or, you know, well, I know not, they not had the help. Person, not the person specifically, but I know if, if this is some nonsense that somebody gave them, I'm like, who wrote this for you? Oh, some service. I'm like, ugh, come on. Wow. It's brutal. Um, so what I would say is this, a few things that are standard is a chronological resume versus a functional resume. What I mean by that is you want your resume to be in chronological order, it means the job you're currently in is the one on top. And then below that is the next one. Below that is your first job. Then, you, well, it depends on education, whether it's in the bottom or the top. We'll get to that in a second. Functional is when you list all these things that you've done 
in bullet format. And then at the bottom, you write, okay, this, this is where I did it. And it's, it looks all compressed at the bottom where it shows you worked at this company, this company, this company. And you're like, well, where did you do that? Where are all these bullets above that show what you did? You don't even know where you did it. It's very confusing. So don't let anyone tell you. And I just went through this with one of the major MBA schools in the country. I won't say which one, but they, they pushed this, this woman who's genius to do her resume functional. And I go, what the hell is this? And she said, the school person insisted I do it this way. I'm like, well, I don't get, give me this. And we rewrote it and she fixed it and it's much better now. And she's already getting traction with it. It's just some people, they just, they believe strongly in their camp and they don't like to see it any other way. So chronological is better than functional in my opinion. The second piece is the fluff. The intangible keywords at the top where you're trying to capture every possible phrase that they may be looking for. Look, there's value in that. They use keyword search software to find you on LinkedIn with certain things. So there, there's merit to it, but you don't want to sit there and list 50 words in hopes that one of them catches it. It, it starts to look like crossword puzzle or word soup. It's, it's a mess. So I wouldn't do it that way. Objectives are slippery too. Because objectives, all they do is rule you out. If you say, I want to be a salesperson in the orthopedic space based in Philadelphia, well, guess what? You just ruled yourself out of every other possible opportunity that's out there. That's good advice. If you insist on having an objective, then keep it really general. I would love to be a salesperson Focus on patients in the med tech industry. Great. That covers a ton of ground. The more granular you get, the more jobs you get left out. The resume, it depends on your career. But because we're in a digital world now, it's no longer paper. If it goes to two pages, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If it goes to three pages, well, it depends. If you have a 10 or 15-year career, maybe it warrants it. But if you have a two-year career, we're not going to three pages. You know, no one cares that you were a lifeguard and worked at Baskin Robbins, you know, when you were 15. But there, it needs to be indicative of what you've accomplished that is relevant to what you want to do. So it's anything related to success and sales. Anything that's quantifiable should be on there. Can you give us an example? Let's say this is someone um, that. Thinking we we've discussed if you did not job hop and or or maybe you have maybe you've switched a couple jobs. Could you give us an example of where somebody had something stand out that maybe helps override a weakness of their resume? Well, everyone's got a weakness on their resume. Some people they stayed too long at a company. Sometimes they didn't stay long enough. Sometimes they didn't finish college. Sometimes they they God forbid had a typo, which is sacrilege. But sometimes it happens. You write manger instead of manager because manger is a real word and the word, the spell check doesn't pick it up. And that's just the nature of what it is. By the way, let someone else proofread your resume. Someone who is incredibly anal, who annoys the heck out of you, that's the person to read your resume. <laughs> Usually it's your mom. Um, and so, because you, once you've read it, you've seen it a thousand times. If it has to be you because you're stubborn, read from the bottom up. Don't read from the top. Read it in reverse. Mm. 
that'll help. Good you. advice. I have a I have a question that is burning in my head, and sure. I'm because it's literally it's at the forefront now is Chat GPT and mm-hmm. AI. What are your thoughts on that with regards to that writing a resume? Does it stand out? Do people know about it? Is it taboo? Um, yeah, I'm interested. I have my personal thoughts about ChatGPT. It, it's it's a necessary evil that we've got right now. And I mean, my son's in 11th grade and mm-hmm. he dabbles with it. And I'm like, bud, he goes, I know, I know. I said, I want you having creative thought. I don't want you using this. But by the same token, it helps get people started. So there's value in it. But at the end of it, it's got to be your words. So there's nothing wrong with using it. Just understand something that even though the, the technology is so advanced and the likelihood from what I understand is that it doesn't copy and do the same things for everyone else. I don't know how much I believe that because how many times can they reword basically what the same request is? I need a resume to become a, a medical device salesperson. So make sure that you tear through it. If you want to use it, go ahead, but tear through it because I know there's errors there. I've seen them before. Um, it's lazy. You know, I, 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 I hope that doesn't hurt anyone's feelings, but it is. It's lazy. It's a shortcut. And people think, well, what's wrong with that? I'm like, everything is wrong with that because it's not you. It's not your words, your semantics, the way that you speak. And, and that's why I, I push hard on that. But I do understand that it's out there. And so if you want to use it, it's fine. But only use it as a framework. Do not use it as a finished product. I just had something amazing happen. In the 21 years I've been doing this, it's the first time. Someone was interviewing. Four interviews in. They're about to get an offer. Somebody on the interview team, not the hiring executive, but someone on the team takes a look at their resume and says, there's something funky about the wording here. They decide to get on the internet and they look at the person's current company and they find an open job spec from a couple of years ago. The person had cut and pasted from the job description that they originally got hired for onto their resume. And, And the company was just, they couldn't let it go. They retracted the offer wow. and they said, this person's going to do shortcuts. This person's going to be questionable in their honesty that they would use some other words that aren't their own. And the person didn't get the job. And I didn't know what wow. to say because I had wow. never heard of that before. So That speaks volumes. <laughs> that speaks volumes. It, it's, because it, it's lazy is what it is. Your resume is you. And- you would think. What great advice to not cut and paste. Okay, so they want to know what their job description was. But for all those listening, just in your own words, say what your job was. And there's nothing wrong with using it as a reference point. Of course, you want to make sure that you're being accurate, but make it your words. Yeah, And that that happened. And, and I was blown wow. away because this poor person, they thought they were set. It was a great gig. Wow. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't know what to say. I, I fought against it. I pushed back. I said, look, you've loved this person the last four interviews. Are you sure you want? They go, we cannot get past this. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, Cindy, yeah. circling back to what you'd asked me. So here are some ways to stand out. Um, the, the font that you use when you want to highlight something specific is important. So say you use, I don't know, Times New Roman for most of your resume, even though most people use different things nowadays. When you want to make something stand out, make it 
one point higher in the size of the print, make it in bold or make it in italics when you're talking about the quantifiable numbers of things that you've done. So you want to make sure when someone looks at your resume, the things that pop out are, this was my quota. This is what I achieved that year. This is where I was against last year. And this is where I am against my entire team. And you want those in bold or in italics. Bold is better, frankly, but you don't want to bold everything, just the numbers and make sure that that's something that catches their eye. Because think about it this way. If they are looking for a salesperson in Atlanta, how many resumes do you think they're getting from LinkedIn, from everybody referrals, from HR, 100, maybe more? Maybe more, yes. You have to make sure that you make it easy for them to read it. That's why I'm suggesting the chronological versus functional. Functional makes my eyes spin. Like, where in the hell is what they did? Whereas chronological, it's so easy. It's in this job, I did this. In this job, I did this. In this job, I did this. With the dates and the titles and the bullets underneath it of what did you do? And that's the easiest to read. They can skim it then and get to the point. Um, I had mentioned education earlier, and I wanted to get back to that. This one's a tough one because some people take this personal. I went to University of Florida. Good school. Proud of it. But it's not. Harvard. And I know that it's the Harvard of Gainesville. And so when you're putting together your resume and your education is something formidable, you went to a major Ivy League school, private institution, Duke, Stanford, Northwestern, Emory, Tufts, something like that, that should be on top. If you went to a traditional state school, I'd put it on the bottom only because that shouldn't be your best foot forward. And it's not to knock any of those schools. I love my school. And Florida is one of the top five uh, public schools in the country. Still, I would put it at the bottom because it's not what makes me stand out. To somebody who went to school at the University of Tennessee, <laughs> they, they probably don't like that at all. But say someone went to the University of Arizona, it wouldn't even register with them. Like the University of Florida is just another university. So, so be mindful of how you do your education. GPA, only put it on there if you have a great GPA. And I mean great, like above a 3.4 or above a 3.5. Don't, don't put your GP on there if it's a 2.8. I mean, let's, let's not do that. Same with your SAT scores, your GMAT scores, all those kinds of things. There, there's no need to put that information on there unless it is exemplary. Save that spot for an organization that you're a part of. You were president of your fraternity or sorority. You were a student governor. You were running a charity at school. You worked full-time. Those, all those things are so much better information than some of the things that are academic-related, unless your academics are fantastic. So Matt does a wonderful job of really breaking down how to write a great resume, how to make your resume stand out, especially in this medical device industry where hundreds of resumes are circulating at any given point in time. So you know, I think some of these really important things need to be reiterated. One of the biggest things that stood out to me was a professional resume writer. Um, again, I don't think I ever knew that one of those existed. Um, but, you know, you really need to be careful because I think if you're hiring a person to write about you, you better be genuine because if you put something in your resume that's not true to you, 
and then you look at it and somebody questions you on it, that's not a good thing. So I think, you know what? You write your own resume. Don't hire someone else. If you need tips or tricks, that's different, you know, in terms of an outline. But really, I think it's important that you take control of the way that your resume reads. Um, another key thing is this chronological versus functional. So I've actually never seen a functional resume before, Cindy. I don't know if you have. I have not. Yeah, it's I, I really have never seen one, but it kind of sounds a little confusing. Um, to me, chronological makes sense, right? I mean, you typically will list after your introduction your work history, and you usually will start with the most current position that you've held, and then you kind of go down from there. And depending on how I many agree. years, yeah, and depending on how many years you've been in the industry, I mean, for Cindy and I, we've been in the market now for 20 plus years, so we've got a lot of work history. Um, you know, the question then becomes, do you list everything or do you just list maybe your top five or six companies that really will depend maybe on how long you were with those companies and what all you did within those companies. But I really like the chronological, uh, versus the functional in the way that you're writing your resume. Another one is be careful with the fluff words. Let's not get too wordy and come up with some funky words that really don't make any sense and have no value. They don't hold any meaning. So when you're the person that you're interviewing with says to you, so Cindy, what does this mean? And you're like, uh, it was just a space filler. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't look good. So steer clear of those fluff words. I agree. Matt did an excellent job in, in putting all of this together when you get to tell a story about yourself. And, and again, chronological objectives. I do think one more thing I wanna point out that he said that I liked is really being intentional with your objective and then having things quantifiable as well. Refread your resume, that one was my favorite. And read in reverse. <laughs> Have you ever read a resume in reverse, Lisa? No, I haven't. But when he said that, Cindy, I was like, oh my gosh, I totally need to do that because his point Me too. <laughs> manager versus manger can I tell you, I've actually done that and then like gone, oh my gosh, I didn't mean to say manger. So I love that he said, read it in reverse because then you're proofreading. It's kind of like you're a new person looking at the document. Love that. Yes. And, and, you know, of course, always be honest, steer clear plagiarism. And it's, it's just really exciting. And one more piece of information I want to include before we leave is the actual just structure of a resume. And, and this really is geared towards those who are new or who haven't written a resume in a long time. But this is the quick structure, and I'm going to name them pillars of writing a resume, five of them. Number one, you need to include your contact details. Number two, an introduction. Number three, your education. Number four, your experience. And number five, your skills. So number one, contact details. That's really just your name, first and last, phone number, email address, because they need to get in contact with you. But also, you could include your LinkedIn profile. Remember, that's your professional contact information. Also, the city where you want to show where you live, because you may be looking for a job um, near or far from there. The introduction, he kind of talked about that being intentional and that, you know, um, your objective, definitely more uh, narrowly focused. And of course, your education, highest degree first, GPA only really like, like I, I agree with Matt, if it's super high, absolutely included. 
And your work experience, your relevant work experience, bullet points is, I believe, the easiest way to read this, outlining some key responsibilities and notabilities in your skills, you know, your hard work and skills, if there's something different to make you well-rounded. And also, let's, um, people may ask, how long should a resume be? If that's a question and um, kind of not really a rule of thumb, but here's an easy way to look at it. If you have had less than 10 years experience, one page resume, perfect. If you've had greater than 10 years experience, it's probably going to be two pages. Those are great. So, yeah, I just, I just think that if you take those five things as a structure, when you go to write your resume, contact details, intro, education, experience, and skills. Now, allow those words to tell your story, like Matt explained, and find ways to really, really stand out and be remembered when you hand them this resume, which is your ticket into the interview, that when you walk out, they're going to know who you are and be so glad you came into that room. I love that metaphor of your ticket into the interview. I mean, it seriously sounds like the golden ticket. It sounds perfect. So I get to do the call to action today. And that is simply write your resume, search within all of your accomplishments and figure out what really makes you stand out and highlight those things. And listen, if you're still feeling stuck or you still have some questions or need more insight, reach out to us. We're happy to help. We have a whole section on how you can write a perfect resume for the medical device industry space. So thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Girls of Grit. We are so happy you came and we look forward to hearing from you on LinkedIn or Instagram or write us an email. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks. Bye. All you need is a little bit of grit to be your best today and build for tomorrow. Find us on Instagram at the Girls of Grit, our website, thegirlsofgrit.com and LinkedIn, The Girls of Grit.